You're listening to the Run the Riot podcast, where we talk about all things ultra running. I'm your host, David Terrio, and man, I'm pumped that you are here. Let's see what we can get into today. Hey there, my friends. Welcome to the Run the Riot podcast. Well, today's guest, Stacy Shaver, is one of our Arkansas trail running friends. Man, she's done a whole bunch of races. She did the Tahoe 200 in 2018, the same time I ran it, and she's run just about every Arkansas trail race and ultra. She is a board member for Aura, the Arkansas Ultra Running Association, and she also directs a few races out there, Athens Big Fork Trail Marathon, the Ouachita Trail 50, and, you know, the big Arkansas Traveler 100. Man, we talk about all the awesome races. We talk about the Arkansas trail running community, all these races she runs and directs. And we talk about her battle back from knee surgery for a meniscus root repair. Man, I had a real blast talking with Stacy, and I think you'll get a lot out of all the things that we talk about. She's got a lot of experience, and it's always fun hearing somebody else's journey. But real quick, before we get started, let's thank our sponsors. The Run the Riot podcast is brought to you by the Outlaw Race Series. You need to check these guys out at www.outlaw100.com. There are a ton of races, and they're all fantastic. First of all, in January, there's Winter Rock with distances 25K and 12K. In February, the flagship of the Outlaw 100 Race Series, the Outlaw 100 in Wilberton, Oklahoma, with distances from 135 miles all the way down to the 5K. Prairie Spirit in March in Ottawa, Kansas. Distances 100 miles down to 50K. Lake McMurtry in April in Stillwater, Oklahoma. 100K down to 5K. The Greater Roadrunner Trail Run at Roman Nose State Park in Watonga, Oklahoma in May. Distances 4 to 12 miles. And then the Flower Moon in Pawhuska also in May from 50 miles all the way down to 4 miles. Then there's the Dark and Dirty in July in Wilburton, Oklahoma. There's a 50K all the way down to 5K, and you can run trail or gravel. Then there's the Honey Badger 100 also in July. 100 mile and 50 mile. That's a hot one on pavement. Fun. (laughs) Then there's a Flat Rock in Independence, Kansas. Distances 101 mile all the way down to 12K. That's in September. In October, we've got the Kansas Rails to Trails Extravaganza in Ottawa, Kansas. 100 mile all the way down to half marathon. And last but certainly not least, the Thunderbird in Norman, Oklahoma in November. 100K all the way down to 5K. These are great trail runs put on for ultra runners, by ultra runners. Guys, you will get taken care of if you go do these races. You'll get awesome medals, amazing buckles, and some nice swag. Check them out at www.outlaw100.com. And also, before we get started, we want to thank Runner's World Tulsa. If you're in the Tulsa area, you need to stop by Runner's World Tulsa. They've got everything that you need to do the running that you want to do. If you want to run trails, they've got trail stuff. You want to run the roads, they got road stuff. They got the shoes, they got the packs, they got the everything, the watches, the the clothing, all the things. And if you're not sure what you need, man, they have so much experience out there and they can help you get what you need. Go to www.runnersworldtulsa.com. Stop by, check them out. Also, go to the website, check out the races that they put on. They are fantastic. Check out Runner's World Tulsa. (music) 
Today on the Run the Riot podcast, we've got Stacey Shaver. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I am good. What's going on right now in Arkansas? How's the weather? Oh, man. We but we finally have some nice warm days, beautiful sunshine. Of course, you never know when it's going to rain. But right now, we're looking at really good weather. We've, the OT50 is just a couple weeks away. April 15th. And so I'm preparing for that. And we're hoping that we don't get too much more rain. So those creeks go down a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. What a a great race. And so how many years are you into RD in it? This is only my second year of race directing. I shadowed for a year, directed last year, and this is my second year for directing that one. Okay. I think when I was out there, you were shadowing and when I've never actually run the race, but I paced Cliff on the way back. So I've run the whole trail, but just one way. (laughs) I got it. So you got to cross those creeks. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. It was great though. It was a great course, man. I had a blast. And so I need to, I'm telling you this because I plan on doing it. I need to go back and just run it myself. Oh yeah. Well, you did miss a little bit if you were pacing because you don't go over pinnacle on the return. That's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. I got to watch them do that. <laughs> I was out there. That looks fun. It is a lot of fun. I think a lot of the locals have learned that going out for at least just one day to practice that climb makes a difference. Yeah. And it can make a good 10 to 20 minute difference if you just, they just go out and spend one day practicing with the really like the backside that's crazy because i mean those listening pinnacle it's i mean you're going to use your hands it's all fours to get up that thing right yeah three points of contact (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. yeah. up and over the boulders but it's just a beautiful you know scenery going up especially when you get to the top and it's just a different kind of challenge and it is marked all the way up you'll see red blazes all the way up on the boulders. So, but there are different routes, you know, and that's what I was saying, you know, going out to spend an afternoon practicing climbing the East Summit, you know, you can pick your route and see which way you're more comfortable with, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, have you been enjoying uh, directing it? How's it been? Oh, I love it. I love it. It's my backyard, you know, I'm in North Little Rock. And so it's just a very short drive over and when I was training for Tahoe 200, mountain was one of my climbing days. Like one yeah. day a week, I was either climbing Pinnacle Mountain or Mount Nebo. And I worked my way up to 10 trips up the mountain in one day. Dude, that's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's awesome. <laughs> so I'd love You got to do what you can to practice for these mount- for the mountains, man. You know, for the big mountains, Colorado mountains. I know we've got mountains, but <laughs> not the same. Yeah. And just race directing in general, it's become quite a passion. It's definitely a labor of love, but it's you're not you're not making a fortune or doing anything like that with it. <laughs> you got to enjoy it. Yeah. But it's fun. It's I I enjoy just volunteering and being a part of a lot of the races and things, just to see people and help them, you know, achieve their goals. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you talk about not making a fortune. I don't make a penny. Okay, okay, okay. Now, seriously, that's what a lot of people don't realize. That's a really unique thing about our club. All of the race directors for our events work for free. We volunteer our time. And we do that for a couple of reasons. 
so that one is so that we don't have to put that extra expense on the runner. We can mm. keep the cost as low as possible. And also yeah. so that we have more money to give back to the communities that serve us. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah, that's that says a lot. That says a lot about about the yeah. community there and you guys. And so anybody listening from Arkansas, when you something doesn't go exactly like you need it to go, take it easy on the race directors out there. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they do this because they love it. Help them to stay loving it. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, so so you're you're originally you're from Arkansas? Born and raised. I grew up okay. in a small town near Romance, Arkansas. And uh, Where, where's that? <laughs> it's oh, between Little Rock and Searcy. Okay, okay, got gotcha, you, yeah. got gotcha. you. So not too far from where you are now. No, not terribly far. Not terribly far. I grew up a farm girl. I grew up on a farm. We had four hundred acres. We had dairy cow, cattle, beef cattle, chicken, all the animals. But that was mainly what we raised. And I don't know, I think I that's where I learned my love of the outdoors and yeah. learned to respect nature was growing up on the farm, you know, getting to, it was so nice growing up in that environment where my parents would just let me take off by myself on the back 40. Yeah. I would pack myself a sack lunch and head out. I probably didn't go as far as my little mind thought I did. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you have, I'm asking this because I just listened to Jeff Browning, a, a podcast that he did with a free trail. And he talked about growing up on a farm in Missouri, how that's how he kind of got his work ethic and everything. Did you have, you know, farm type chores to do and things oh, like that? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. And even after, you know, I became a teenager and of working age, I, my dad, I, as soon as I was able to drive, he came and laid the classifieds down in front of me and had me, it's like, okay, it's time to get a job. And he had a condition that we had to stay at whatever job we chose for a full year. Like you can't just work for a couple of months and say, Oh, I don't like it. You have to yeah. commit. I also played basketball from third grade all the way up to my junior year. And, okay. you know, I think you learned some worth that worth work ethic, you know, just playing team sports as well. So, yeah. yeah. No, that's huge. I love that, that you got to stay for a year. And that's kind of how, you know, I was brought up, you know, in rural Louisiana, you know, we did stuff out in the yard and everything. And when I got a job, you know, you worked and you did a good job for your pay. And my dad expected me to do that. And he checked up, you know, made sure, <laughs> you know, but no, that's great. And then, you know, that you're committed. And I know, you know, like even with sports, you know, a lot of parents will let their kids just quit and things like that. He's like, no, see it through. You know, you said you're going to play, finish the season. Oh, yeah. Go, yeah. yeah. And I was the same way with my kids. You know, if you choose a sport, you have to stick with it and you've committed to a team. You're going to, you know, stick through that, see that commitment all the way to the end. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's not always fun. You know, it's going to get hard. <laughs> but that's life, right? Yeah, that's life. It's like, always fun. We try to make it more fun. Yeah. Yeah. And even like, you know, right? <laughs> yeah. And even, you know, work, sure. It's nice to get a paycheck, but work. And sometimes we, you know, we enjoy our jobs. I enjoy my job, but you know, sometimes it sucks, you know, you just, <laughs> you, you, you got to do what you got to do. It's part of being a responsible human. Yeah. 
Well, those are lessons that I think that are good and that that serve, you know, what you're doing, what we do, the sport that we're involved in, you know, growing up like that. Um, those are important lessons. So you grew up playing basketball. When did you discover? I mean, basketball, basketball. I'm not good. And so uh, I'm pretty terrible at it. And I remember a few times playing, you know, we play half court and we're like, get all, all right, let's play full court. We do that run back and forth about twice. And we're like half court back to half court. <laughs> Cause we're not playing full court. But is that where you kind of, you know, you, did you love running when you did that? Or did you I, find that love later? I know I, I loved running then, but I just didn't know people went and I didn't know about racing. You know, our coach would have us go run, you know, a few miles before practice. And in the summer, we usually had to run a little further. But it wasn't until after I had my second child that, you know, I was kind of sitting around at a family gathering, staring my genetics in the face. And thinking, <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's time to do something different because I had been very active uh, even before I had my kids. My husband and I didn't do the traditional dinner and a movie. Our dates were going and driving around the city to find a basketball court where people were playing and get in on a pickup game nice and, and or biking or tennis I mean that that was how we dated but after you have kids I mean that just changes your whole life and so it wasn't until after I had my second child and I anyway the day after that that family gathering where I had this aha moment. I, I went the very next day and I joined a gym and I was just going and doing, you know, a beginner aerobic class. And there was an eight year old woman in there that, you know, put me to shame. Like I couldn't keep up. I love it. I love but it. you know, after a month, I would come out of that classroom feeling like I've got all this extra energy. I don't know what to do with. So yeah. thankfully that gym had, I was so shy back then. And I had, they had a women's only workout room and I went up there and I would jump on the treadmill after those aerobic classes and I would just run. And I know now that I was doing speed work and didn't know it because I would just yeah, run yeah. as hard and fast till I couldn't run anymore. The next day, you know, eventually I was running longer and, and a friend said, Hey, well, why don't you come run with me in the neighborhood? And I'm like, yeah. you can run outside. <laughs> is that a thing? <laughs> it's yeah. so crazy, you know, how different my world was back then. No kidding. Where now I'm like, people run indoors on a yeah, treadmill? People run on treadmills? What is that? <laughs> oh. yeah. how, how old were you when that change happened? Uh, I was 28. Okay. 28. Yeah. And I got into road running just, it was a friend in in the neighborhood that I was living in, invited me out for a run. We went and did eight miles. And after we finished, she looked at me and she said, I think you've got what it takes to do a marathon. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> what are you about? And yeah. she said, you've got heart. You've got what it takes. And I just, I, her belief in me is what made me go, sure, all right. But she said, if you'll, if you'll let me, we'll train together and I'll go run your first marathon with you. And we went and did the Tulsa Route 66. And that was my nice. first marathon. Oh, how cool. And, 
Yeah, and I fell in love, absolutely head over heels in love with running. My second marathon was at the Oklahoma Memorial Marathon, and that was a very moving, touching experience. And, And I finished, and somebody said, you know, you're only five minutes from a Boston qualifying time. And I'm like, what's Boston? Yeah. (laughs) What What is this? (laughs) And so, and then the trajectory from there into trail was by accident at that point in 2010, I was pretty much running about a marathon every weekend, whether it was a race or training on my own. And so just so I didn't have to run alone. If somebody said, Hey, you want to come go run such and such race? I would be like, sure. Sign me up. Well, if Brandon <laughs> said, Hey, you want to come run the love it trail marathon. And I'm, I didn't know what a trail marathon meant. And I showed yeah. up in my road shoes and my little goo belt with my four little gels. Cause there's going to be <laughs> lots of those things. I love it. <laughs> you showed up for Love It with road shoes on. That's great. <laughs> Those listening that don't know Love It, the tagline is ankles of steel and an iron will. That There's some rocky sections in that trail. That is that's fantastic. <laughs> oh, but, and I even got lost that day. I'm standing in the middle of a field going, hello, anybody? <laughs> Just knowing I was eaten by a bear, you know? <laughs> I don't remember fields on the Lovey course. <laughs> <laughs> well, we actually, so it's on the same course as the Lovett 100, which is what you're okay. talking about. But we have yeah. a free event in December. It's a Lovett Trail Marathon. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So Aura actually has nine free races. We have 16 really? races in our Ultra Trail series, and nine of those are free. And the Love It Trail Marathon is the one that we host in December. And I had no idea. Yeah, it's a great experience. You'll have to come back out and try a second look at Love It. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Different. No, seriously. I need to check yeah. that out. It's awesome. Yeah, and anybody that wants to can come do the, it's a 14-mile run from the start to the turnaround. And they shuttle you back. So you get to see the full course without having to turn around and run back if you want. So we get nice. a lot of new runners that way. Yeah. What, yeah. What a great way to get people to come in and not, there's not a lot of pressure. You didn't put money in, you know, and you just yeah. can show up and give it a shot. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's, that's one of our big goals and purposes is to help introduce people to trail running. And yeah. uh, you have to make it, you know, you set them up for success. It has yeah. to be something that they feel like they can do. And yeah. so most of our free re- events has a shorter distance option. So it may be yeah. advertised as a marathon or a 50K, but there's always a shorter distance option available. And and then we also allow people to just choose their own distance. You know, you yeah. can do an outback yeah. if you want. And and we still give them credit. If you look at any of our results pages, you'll see the other section. And in that other is where those people came out and they wanted to attempt something, but maybe weren't quite ready for the bigger chunk. And so, and then next time, you know, next event, they're coming out and they're doing a little bit longer race and a little longer race. And next thing you know, they're running them all. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's great. I had no idea. What a great way because, you know, we all say this, the races are, you know, we, of course we compete and stuff, but you're racing against yourself. And, you know, if somebody who can't get out there or want to feel it out and learn the, tr you know, how to run on trails and stuff, but maybe can't do wh whatever the distance is, man, what a great no pressure opportunity to come out and get to be a part of the community. Cause like you said, the community in, in, you know, here in Tulsa and there, I love the trail running community in Arkansas just to be out there. It's contagious. You know, we've got some great people out there, some crazy people too. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're very fortunate. Our community is, I think something truly special and unique. And I say it's the Arkansas running community, but you know, our, all of our neighboring States, are part of that community too because yeah. people that live around the borders will come and participate in our events where they're running or volunteering like the memphis crew there's a big group from memphis that comes out and they host aid stations for us and that i'm just i hate i don't want to single anybody out or miss on miss out on calling somebody and get you yeah. know giving them credit where credit is due we have a lot of people from neighboring states to come and help us but yeah our community is something special aura is the bigger club that kind of connects all of those smaller clubs right trying yeah, to yeah. to and we champion all of those races that are not only in our club and our organization but we champion all of those events uh, outside of our realm and yeah. and i think that's something unique <laughs> For yeah, sure. I love that. I love the cooperation between groups. You know, even I was uh, this Saturday, I was at Prairie Spirit in, in Kansas, and that was just taking o taken over by the Outlaw Race Series. And yeah. But it's cool because Ron Roos and his crew from Nebraska, they put on Hitchcock and other races. And so they were down doing an aid station. And, you know, you just there's just that same thing, you know, just a spirit of cooperation, everybody helping each other out and, uh, you know, just trying to build each other's communities up. It's great. Yeah. 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 I think that's important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so let's get back to, so this was, your, your, get back to your first trail marathon there. You, how did you, what, I mean, how did you do? I mean, how did you feel? Did you, I mean, obviously you enjoyed it. It was a good experience, I guess. It, it really was. So I was coming into the aid stations. Now I think anybody coming straight from road to trail, you know, if you're speeding on road, you're, you know, you're going to feel farewell on the trails. And so I was rolling into aid stations. They're like, you're the first female. And somewhere on the return, I get off course, not only <laughs> once, but twice. And so oh, I man. think I added an extra hour in my day. But oh, uh, And it was so cold by the time I finished. And I was just so woefully unprepared. I didn't have, yeah. you know, anything for cold weather, you know, truly went in treating it like a road marathon it was just such a rookie mistake didn't even have hydration with me no hydration oh, bottles that's so great yeah anybody that knows arkansas ultra running community knows christy ferguson yes she's one of our predecessors and one of my mentors but and she's directed several of our races but she saw me that morning and she noticed i didn't have any hydration and she comes over and offers to go get a couple of bottles and brings them to me. She said, now here, yeah. she said, you go fill these up and don't you show up to another trail race without some sort of hydration system. Oh uh, man, that's cool. Well, by the time I finished, she realized that I really was a newbie and that I wasn't yeah. just being irresponsible. I just didn't know. 
And so she came and found me afterwards and made sure I had a good time, offered to invited me to come back, but gave me lots of suggestions on what to do different next time. Yeah. What, what's that, her saying before the races? Oh, oh, she always says, don't be a dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's exactly that's line is, yeah. you know, she's one of those people that I think she she's I call her my M&M because she's rough on the exterior, but so soft in the middle. She holds herself to a very high standard and is such a rule follower. And she expects everybody else to do the same. Yeah. And rightfully so. And but she's going to come and she's going to hold your hand if you need it. She's going to give you a hug. She's going to wipe your tears and to watch her in her element because she was a fire captain. And so she has a lot of EMT knowledge and to watch her in action caring for somebody is pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. You know, she does. She like you said, rough edges. The first time I met her and saw her, I was like, "Oh man!" But then, it what didn't take long. I saw the other side. I mean, you know, yeah. really quickly, and just seeing her interactions and all. Yeah, she's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome person. She she is, and she has a lot of accolades. She still holds records that hasn't been broken. She used to run for the United States team. And, really? Uh, See, I yeah. didn't know. I didn't, I'm learning all kind of stuff um, today. This is great. Oh, there's a lot of history around Arkansas ultra running. I'm gonna have to get her on the podcast too. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you should. She could definitely fill an hour <laughs> just with what she's done in her life. Yeah. Well, well, so so you, you got introduced kind of in a rough way to the trail running community, to running trails, and so I mean, sounds like you drank the, like like a lot of us, you drank the Kool Aid. I fell in love that day, even though I was woefully unprepared, lost on the trail. I sat around at that finish line going, these are my people. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> these are my people. Yeah. You know? yeah. And it, this was a free event. They didn't have a lot of big awards. It was just the overall for male, female, yeah. masters, and and so there wasn't, there were, because, I think because there weren't age group awards, there wasn't that pressure yeah. to perform. Yeah. Like everybody just, like you said, you're racing against yourself, right? Yeah. It's a competition yeah. with yourself. And that's kind of how it felt with trail running. And yeah. you yeah, said something about a roadrunner jump on the trails. So, you know, with COVID, a lot of, they weren't holding the big marathons and stuff. So a lot of our races around here, there were a lot of roadrunners who were new to the trails. And it was funny because it, it, you know, it's, it took them a little while to figure things out. Like, you know, we had a looped course and like one of them was a little long and I, and he's like, Oh, the course is long. And, you know, it wasn't, it was just, and I'm like, well, well, we just run some extra. I don't know, whatever. Let's go, dude. You know? <laughs> and, and you know, you can see him kind of figure it out and realize that, you know, everything's kind of ish and you just, you know, get out there and have fun, figure it out and, you know, yeah. enjoy yourself, man. Yeah. <laughs> And our sport is growing, which means we we have more road runners joining trail running community. Yeah. And I think it's very important for the people in charge, the leaders of the trail running communities across the nation to to educate. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like trail etiquette. I think I'm kind of famous for my potty papers lecture that I always give. 
So I don't um, think I've heard that lecture. <laughs> your potty paper. Don't leave yeah. your potty papers all over the place. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, oh. you know, it's just little things that, you know, that you don't know until you know. And so yeah. I think that's why it's important for us to, as leaders, to educate on things like leave no trace. Exactly. We, and, you know, and about being good stewards, because let's face it on road races, you know, gels are thrown on the ground, you know, and it's kind of, it's near an aid station. It's on the ground, you know, it gets picked up or whatever, but we don't do that on trails. You know, you carry your stuff out, you know? <laughs> yeah. But people yeah. catch on pretty quick, yeah. on pretty quick. Yeah. It's fun to watch people like real you know and start to enjoy and be out in nature you know and make that transition and then you see them at every trail run you know because they just fall in love with it it's yeah. different yeah different mentality it's yeah. a different mentality yeah, yeah. more so, relaxed so you got, it's, yeah more more like oh yeah and i always tell the story like when i jennifer came from road running background and she ran a marathon and all that and first time she came to one of my ultras I think it was a hundred too and like I placed and like I finished and it was like hardly anybody there and you know like yay and she's like that's it we're, that's it we're leaving I was like this, you know, I was like yeah we're done <laughs> so just you know it's just yeah you know just how laid back it was you know it's not no big hoopla a lot of you know everybody supports each other and you just you get done and you yeah all right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we're done but so so you get you did the marathon and so what evidently you fell in love with the trails what got you to start you know hey there's some longer distances out there and what was your first foray into larger than the marathon distance i'm trying to think i don't i'm not really sure what my yeah, first just kind of, just kind of longer like, distance yeah. was it was yeah. i had already for me it was i'd already run boston three times and okay. it kind of marked that off and yeah you know yeah. it's kind of expensive to go and do that event anyway and yeah, uh, so much. i just <laughs> i think i did i joined the the arkansas the aura ultra trail series Okay. And I ran every race in the series. Yeah. And, you know, we have distances from a marathon up to 100K or 100 miles, actually. I didn't do the 100 miler that year, that first gotcha. year that I signed yeah. up. But I did all of the other distances. So that would have been the OT50. And yeah, you just kind of jumped in. Just being a part of the trail community and doing that series year after year just felt like, okay, I'm ready to do the traveler and jumped yeah. into that. And that was my first hundred mile race. Nah. And it was so nice because every weekend you could count on jumping in with a group or, you know, there was always at least one group out there yeah. training on the course. Yeah. Uh, and so on the Arkansas traveler Facebook page, every mm -hmm. probably about Thursday, Friday rolls around. Somebody's going to be posting on there. Hey, here's our weekend trail trail route. Come join us if you need a GPX track. Back then, before we knew about setting GPX tracks, we would we would always stop at every turn and we find enough sticks to make arrows 
And so <laughs> That's good. we would make arrows. So the front of the pack always had to mark, basically mark the course with sticks and stones. <laughs> that, that's pretty awesome. I have to say, I love, cause I, you know, I'm in those groups too. And I love seeing that, Hey, we're meeting here. We're getting this many miles in, you know, and Chris and Ronnie and all the crew and they're, or we're getting 50 miles. We're running overnight or, you know, and they're just, <laughs> you know, anybody can jump in and join the crazy, you know, and get out there and get some good training miles in. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Chris became part of our group by kind of by accident. He was out there training by himself. We kept passing this Subaru out there. We were a big group training. And anyway, we just picked up this stray one day. And now he's become quite a leader in our community for sure. Yeah, that's so, funny. Funny how people just kind of become part of the, you know, yeah, but groups. that's part of our community, right? You see somebody out yeah. running alone, so you stop and say, hey, you want to come join us? And then yeah. on our training runs, it's kind of the same way. Everybody sits around with their lawn chair, and we put a towel out, and everybody puts their offering on the towel, you know, of their <laughs> food that they brought with them. And we just kind of share the whole kitty and wait until that last runner comes through. Nice. And so it's yeah. kind of like a leave no man behind in the regard that nobody, we don't leave the vicinity until we know everybody's off trail safely. Yeah, that's cool. That's good. I love that. I love that. <laughs> so, yeah. So you, I mean, you jumped into, you, and now you're a, and you're a mom at this time. What, at, what, what do you do? What did you do? What were you working at that time? Well, I, my background, I was, I was the early childhood education. I taught kindergarten, first grade. And then I became a stay-at-home mom once I had my kids. So, yeah, we were married seven years before we had our kids. So I had a good seven years. And then we both, my husband grew up in daycare. I grew up a latchkey kid. And so we just agreed one of us would stay at home. And to make life easier for my family, I did long runs on Friday. Okay. I would do my, and then that way the weekend rolled around and I was still there to go do the soccer, the t-ball and gymnastics yeah. and all of that stuff. And then once they got older and we had moved to North Little Rock at this point, one of the locally owned running cl- running stores asked me to come work for them. And I thought, hmm, this would be a good yeah. way to feed my habit. Yeah, that's right. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good fit. <laughs> road, road my running gear. So uh, I went to work for a locally owned running store, but they closed during the pandemic. The, oh, man. Yeah, that was unfortunate that I think COVID was just the last nail in the coffin for them. But we have yeah. we still have a couple of really great locally owned running stores that do a great job serving our community. Yeah. For those listening, support your local, locally owned running, your mom and pops that are just that the ones that are trying to help people and that love people and that are, yeah, you know, I know there are a lot of big chains and you can get a lot of stuff online, but man, su- support those folks. Yeah. Cause they put their dollars back into the community often. Yeah. 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 And you know, for one of ours here, one of my favorites here is runners world Tulsa and they put out races, man, they, their hearts are to help people. And I just, I love those. I love them. And so if I got to, you know, people ask where to get shoes and where to get stuff, go to runners world Tulsa, you know, get to yeah. support those folks, you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's well, pretty awesome. So, well, and so traveler, I mean, how, I didn't even know how long has traveler been a race? <laughs> 
the Arkansas Traveler 100 is, this is our 32nd year of hosting the event. Yeah. So it is the ninth oldest 100 miler. Okay. Yeah. So definitely has some rich history there. Believe it was part of the Grand Slam one year because they had a fire. I can't remember. I hate that I can't remember. But one of the races in the Slam wasn't going to be able to host due to a forest fire. And yeah. so they asked Traveler to step in, and we did. And apparently it was a success. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, has it has the course always been the same? Pretty much the same. Has it changed over the it years? Has Do you never know? changed, and I think that's a point of pride for the club is that the course has always remained the same. Where a lot that's... of races that are as old as ours at some point chooses to or is forced to make a change. But we've been fortunate to keep ours as it is. We have had some discussion about making slight alterations. Now you've run the Traveler, haven't you? I've done, I did it. In fact, I was looking, and that's. I, let me look at my notes here and make sure I'm not lying. I think we've we both ran it in two, 2017. I ran it in 17, and then in 18. Okay. And so yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So since you've run the course, you'll probably remember on that 17 mile loop that you do early. As you're going up the forest road before you hit the trail, just yeah. before you get on single track trail for the first time, just to your left is one of the most iconic views out there at really? Flatside Pinnacle. Yeah. Okay. And so there's been a little <laughs> bit of discussion about, you know, the what ifs, you know, if we could get the runners up to that beautiful vista. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you're directing Traveler now, right? I, I am. All right. All right. So, so that's huge. Man. Are you going to be the one? Are you going to be the, <laughs> to change I, I still counsel with my predecessors and yes. take all of their thoughts into consideration. So who knows? Yeah. Maybe I'll convince them one day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that. you can see the benefits of both, you know, some changes are worth doing and, you know, but then longevity has also got its benefits too. So yeah, yeah. people were running Man, either the, way. The traveler was a monster to take over. When they asked me to take that race on, I, had to, I couldn't give them an answer right away. I asked yeah, them to I give me a few weeks to think about it. Because I, I knew I needed to make sure my family was on board because it was going to yeah. mean time away from family. And uh, and just the sheer volume of what that means of hosting a race yes. of that size. Qualifier. I'm, I'm so glad yeah. I did. And, you know, yeah. this will be my second year hosting it. And like, like OT50, I shadowed for a year and yeah. then directed it for a year. And this will be my second year at Traveler. And I think every year it gets a little bit easier. You know, you create your mm -hmm. own checklist. Somebody's yeah. organized, you know, my predecessor's organization was, you know, different than mine system. Yeah. And so now that I've got my own little checklist in place, I think it makes it a little bit easier. But all the work that gets put into it is so worth it when you're standing at that finish line, watching those runners come through, falling into yeah. your loved one's arms, just boohooing yes. or cheering or, it. you know, just the emotions that yeah. you get to experience at the finish line of that 100 mile race is 
something spectacular and just makes me go, yeah, that it was worth it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it says a lot about your reputation and the, you know, the races that you've directed and that people, you know, they put their faith in you to do it. Cause that, that is a, it's a huge race. It's got a history. It's a state's qualifier. There's a lot of weight there, which I, you're very wise to take some time and count instead of saying, yeah, it would be cool. Well, you got to count the cost, you know, like, yeah, it's going to be cool, but it's going to be some work too yeah. and some stress and lots of things. And so that's amazing, you know, that, you know, that, that they, you were trusted to do that. But then, you know, the fact that you, that it was also your first hundred and now you get to direct it. How cool is that? You know, I love seeing the finish line. I have great memories of the finish line at Traveler. As a matter of fact, like when I almost caught, oh, I, I can't believe I'm brand Daniel. He's, he won it the next year. Daniel Arnold. Yeah, Daniel Arnold. He's going yeah, yeah. to kick my butt. But so I almost <laughs> caught him in 2017, but his pacer saw me. If I'd have hit my, turned off my headlamp, I might have caught him. And like we had a sprint to the finish and he was laying on his back dying when I, by the time I, anyway, I just I had a lot of good memories out there. It's a great race. And every aid station, which what amazing that you get to come in and you've got established people at aid stations who they, you could tell like they took pride in what they had at the aid stations with their decorations. I thought I was hallucinating with the lights and stuff going on, you know, <laughs> out in the middle of nowhere. And you can just tell they just, every group took pride in it. And so you get to, now you get to be a part of that and just come in and help continue to facilitate that. Really cool. Yeah. We're very fortunate that we have so many of our captains. They've done uh, they've hosted their stations for a really long time. For some people, yeah. they've hosted for decades. And their volunteer base at those stations, you know, a lot of them are members of RRCA clubs. So we have clubs all around the state, again, that come in and help with those events. The other nice thing about our eight stations at the Traveler is there's a veteran of the course at every aid station. Nice. Yeah. So, that is, that's you know, if huge. a runner comes in and not just a veteran of the course, but, you know, veteran ultra runners. So if you come into an aid station and you're having some difficulties and, you know, you know how it gets and you're fuzzy headed and you can't problem solve anymore. Yes. It's nice to come into a station where you have some really seasoned runners mm -hmm. who can help you troubleshoot and get you back out on the trail into that oh, finish line. Yeah. It's so we, we've been there, you know, when you're fried and somebody says, eat this, drink this. And you're like, okay. <laughs> and you don't, you just do it, you know? And then, then afterwards you're like, I'm glad I did that. You know, <laughs> thank that person. You know, <laughs> yeah. That's cool. So for everybody listening and, you know, especially it being a state's qualifier, you know, it's huge and you can, you know, you can usually sign up and get in, you know, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so proud of the fact that we remain a Western States qualifier. It's that's definitely a point of pride. That was my qualifier that got me in from yeah. 2018. I and ran it after Tahoe. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we both did Tahoe. We yeah, have, we're gonna we get there in a second. We need to talk about that. I think. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
So, well, let's talk about that. So what made you, you know, so you've been run, you ran all these races. I was looking at your ultra sign up. You've done so many, you did Coldwater Rumble. When was that? What year did you do Coldwater Rumble? That's 2017, Uh, right? Yeah, 2017. Just felt like I needed to see what I could do outside of Arkansas, you know, because I raced pretty much every race that's hosted in Arkansas on trails. I had run them. And I just kind of felt like I not only needed to do that, but I needed to see what it was like to get out there and do a hundred miler without crew and without pacers. I did have a friend that came with me and she ran the last 20 miles, but I got through 80 miles by myself. And that was, man, that's a confidence booster to be able to say, hey, if I needed to go do a hundred miler by myself, I could, right? Yeah. There's yeah so- I've got great pride in some of them. I've done, I think my fastest, I did it by myself with drop bags, no pacer and just, yeah, let's do it. Whatever. Let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing and wrong you placed with third. having pacer or having crews, but it yeah, yeah. was empowering to get out there and try to do it solo. Yeah. yeah. And then you play, you place third. I'm not familiar with that course. What What is it like? It's, well, it's a loop course. I want to say, if memory serves, it's like a 20-mile loops, done washing machine okay. style. It okay. is rocky. Okay. There's sandy section on the very back side of the course. I want to say it was maybe like eight or nine miles between stations. So for okay. me, coming from Arkansas, running where everything's, you know, four to five miles apart, and, you know, that was a little different. And that section, it was Sandy coming in and Sandy leaving out for at least a mile and a half or two miles. And doing that, you know, (laughs) five times. So, yeah, that was a different experience for sure. Running rocky, sandy, hilly, but a really, really well done race. That was, that's an Aravipa event. And, uh, uh, I think Jubilee, I think she was the director then, but yeah, really well done event and a great first experience outside of Arkansas for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then what I just said, like, so you did that in 17, January of 2017, and then you did Traveler later on that year, again, you know, again. So yeah, yeah you, I had you to get my five year award at Traveler. So I did okay, gotcha. five times to get that. And after, I don't know, I think I'll probably want to go back and shoot for my 10th after I turn over the reins to somebody else <laughs> for as far as directing. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good goal, man. Jump back out there. But yeah, yeah and then yeah. Uh, it was like always what's next, you know, what yeah, can I do yeah. bigger? What can I do longer? You know, I think that's just the way I'm, my brain works is what's the next yeah. challenge. And so Tahoe 200, it was in 2018. <laughs> and at that, yeah, that, I think the training for that event, I don't know how you felt about it, but I think the training was more difficult than the race itself. Yeah. And I don't know yeah. if it's just me and the amount of pressure I put on myself since I was coming yeah. from, you know, pretty much sea level. And we've got plenty of hills. We've got plenty of mountains. Like my race course that I host, Athens Big Fork Trail Marathon. It's 7,000 yeah. feet of gain over a marathon distance. And eight mountains. I got to get out and do that twice. 
So I went out there and I trained on that course. I would do a 20 miler out there on that course, turn around the next day, I did another 20. I did, that was my longest weekend training. I did two of those where it was 20, 20, 20 on the, on that really hilly, rocky, you know. Yeah. Well, and for us at sea level and, you know, here, I mean, we have Turkey Mountain. Turkey Mountain's great, but it's, I've run every trail on there. (laughs) so many times and you know but you you figure out how to do it and because of some altitude you just have to be as fit as you can you know to get out there yeah and one day a week like i would go running yeah one day a week i would go run do my run at lunchtime so i was out in the heat and the humidity yeah. figuring that's a good trade-off for the altitude training yeah 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 how many miles and did you peak at for that I think my highest mileage week was 130 miles. Really? Yeah. You put in some, I didn't get that high. That's pretty awesome. You were killing it. Yeah. (laughs) Now I haven't done that since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was enough of that junk. (laughs) Well, so, so let's talk a little bit about the actual, the race, because I, I mean, I had a fantastic experience out there and I imagine you did too. So tell me about, you know, from your perspective, man, how did it go? Oh man, it was so beautiful that even when you were tired and worn, there was just inspiration and the beauty around me and just kind of made me want to keep going because what's around the corner you know what of this yeah. course have i not seen i don't want to miss a single second of this race course you know and the racing companies aptly named destination trials you know they yeah. it is a destination and and man i'm so glad i did tahoe the year that i did it because you know with the fires they're not able to completely circumnavigate the lake and hopefully they will again. They didn't last year. They won't get to this year. Right. And I just, I feel like you missed a little something. And I hate it for those people that are going to miss that. But they're still going to have a beautiful experience because it is a Definitely. great course. And oh my gosh, I've never seen hamburgers served in the middle of an ultra. But <laughs> yeah. boy, did I eat my share of hamburgers and breakfast burritos. <laughs> yeah. I think I counted at one time. I forgot. I ate a hamburger at every, just about every aid station. It was offered to me. And I that was my fuel, man. That was great. Yeah. And so nice to have, you know, experts that could take care of your feet if you needed to. At every station that I rolled into, you could see there was at least, you know, two or three people lined up waiting their turn to get their feet taken care of. I will say I got very lucky that I didn't need that. But I had a friend who had done Bigfoot 200 and his only piece of advice was foot care, foot care. And so... I want to say every time I saw my crew, I they had a basin of water ready for me to wash my feet because yeah. that dirt gets in through your soft fibers and then it works like sandpaper. And so, yeah, yeah you're going to wind up with blisters if you don't. I mean, for that amount of time, I'm going to say I probably did that four, at least four times where I washed my feet yeah. and changed my socks. Yeah. I, I was and, pretty fortunate 
I ended up with some blisters on my kind of my heels and I did get them to work on those, but I didn't, it wasn't terrible. You know, it wasn't, it was on the sides of my heels. It was just, I think from hiking so much, I wasn't used to hiking that much in those shoes. And, but it was nice to have somebody there to just, you know, tape them up and get them good and, you know, and just, (laughs) I can keep doing my thing, you know? Yeah. Well, how did, you know, coming from hundred milers, how did you, you know, when you're sitting there, are you a spreadsheet person? No, I'm old school pen and paper. <laughs> okay, okay. But you you know, you plan yeah, it out I'm though, very, right? Very organized and like, yeah, I have a, a okay. whole calendar laid out of, of what I'm doing when and I stick to it. If it's on the calendar, it's gonna happen. Okay, now for the yeah. race, because it's so hard mm-hmm. to know like did you do something like with your like kind of a pace chart or something like that and I didn't I did not. I didn't want to do that okay. to myself. Okay. Uh, no, that's yeah, I, I didn't, for me personally, I just, yeah. I didn't want to put that pressure on myself of yeah. having a pace chart. I did have, and every time I would roll into either a station where I had a drop bag or where my crew was, I had the little printout of that section, what the mm-hmm. elevation was, and yeah. just, you know, the hard facts of that section so I could wrap my head yeah. around how to navigate it and yeah. to give me a sense of how much time it was going to take. So, if, you know, a section did take a little bit longer. I could look and go, Oh, well, you know, it's okay. You know, this yeah. is supposed to take longer. Yeah. So the, for me, that's hard... how I got through it. <laughs> no, that's and... great. The hard part was, you know, the first time you do it is trying to figure out like what you're going to need when, because you don't know when, you know, <laughs> You know, having a crew helps because you can just always have stuff with them at certain points. But, you know, where you have to have just a drop bag, it's like, am I going to need a headlamp or a T-shirt? You know, I don't know. I don't know, you know, or a sweat, you know, some, something warm or I just don't know, you know, when I'm yeah. going to hit 120 miles, you know. You know, kudos to anybody that does that distance by themselves. I cannot imagine haven't done it yeah. without my crew because when I did see them, you know, eight stations are 20 miles apart and maybe yeah. you go 40 miles before you see your crew. But I knew that when I got to them, you know, regardless of weather, I had what I needed. I don't know about you, but I had how you organized your stuff for your crew. I had, I went to Lowe's and I bought a, a rolling tool chest, toolkit. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so the there was one big box on the bottom that I could, and I had baggies of like, you know, labels, everything's labeled baggies of yeah, yeah, know, that's cool. jackets, long pants, shorts, shirts. But I pretty much kind of had my daily, you know, if I was changing an outfit, I had it all in one bag where all I had to do was grab one bag, run to the bathroom and change brush my teeth. I did do that. That's pretty good. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. I think oh, that, that year. Too much time at the, at the <laughs> cruise box. <laughs> well, when but, you're going that long, you know. Yeah. You need. Yeah. Did I you? Think, I got a shower at, I think it was heavenly. I got a shower and no cleaned way. up real good. Yeah. I like, I was able to, I was like, I can take a shower. I would take a shower. <laughs> so it's like, oh, <laughs> I took a quick man. shower and cleaned up. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think, that, I think that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty yeah. Of I don't think we can do that anymore. <laughs> oh. 
Um, I, no. What about sleeping? Did you sleep when you were out there? So I didn't really plan for it. I think I, I slept a total of about three and a half hours. I, uh, I tried to, a few times I tried and I had trouble. A few times I tried to stay awake and I had trouble. I took some trail naps. And because we did it the backwards way that year, you know, there was that last aid station, like six miles away from the finish. Barker's um, Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I forgot what they call it. Yeah. And I actually took a half an hour nap six miles from the finish because I was so <laughs> exhausted. I was like, I got to sleep. And so I jumped in the back of our rental and took a, na- a half an hour nap with six miles to go. <laughs> I was just like, I was dead. Oh um, man. You got to do what you got to do out there to keep yeah, going. Well, what did you do? Sleep. So I, I had a plan for sleeping, but quickly realized I was going to have to go out the window um, so the first point that you were able to, ha- we were able to have a pacer. That's where I was going to sleep. I was going to take a nap, two hour nap, and then get up and start running with my pacer. Well, I got there, I climbed, changed my clothes. Cause they always say, you know, you want to go into the night dry. So I yeah. climbed into the, it was a tent at the aid station and we basically yeah. had a yoga mat in the dirt. And it was so noisy because it was right by the aid station. And so there's no way I'm sleeping. So I crawled out of my, out of the tent after less than five minutes. And I looked at my pacer and I'm like, any chance you're ready to go now? (laughs) She's like, let's do it. And, uh, and, uh, and so I did wind up sleeping. I took two, two hour naps. Both of them were at one of the ski resorts, I think heavenly. And I can't remember the name of the other, but there I knew sleeping in the car was not going to work. We had it set up so that I could, but there's so much commotion with people's crew and pacers out in those parking lots that unless you're parked a a quarter mile down the road, you're, it is, I mean, gosh, I, I just, my brain won't shut down if there's, I'm such a light sleeper, but at those ski resorts, you went upstairs and it was just like quiet zone. I don't know if you got a chance to experience those at all, but you had an air mattress, a blanket. There was a medic up there walking around. As soon as you came in, he would come over and check and make sure that you were okay. And then he would leave you alone and you could sleep. Anyway, it was super quiet. I had a, a sleep mask and I had headphones. That was okay. the way I was able to sleep. Just really like quiet music, soft music yeah. turned way, way down low and my sleep mask. And uh, anyway, I had my crew set a timer for two hours and I came into that set, that first station. I think it was heavenly. And yeah, so that was at, the tr- was at 100, 102 miles. Yeah. Yeah. If you remember that year we did it, it was a low snow year. So they didn't have a lot of the places on our map that, showed we could filter water we'd get there and it was dry and right. yeah there was no was water to ask. filter until like three miles to the finish and there were all yeah. these dogs running through it and i was just like oh i'm not so sure i feel comfortable even filtering it so i still didn't drink like i should have in that last three miles but i came in really depleted thinking oh i think it's game over I really did because yeah. I felt that depleted and my, I made, my husband was worried about me too. And he looked at yeah. me and made me promise that if I woke up 
feeling as bad as I did at that moment that I would call it. And I agree. I mean, yeah. there was no, no yeah. sense in going on it, but I was yeah. surprised. Like I downed a bottle of Pedialyte. I forced myself to eat, even though I didn't want to, you know, you feel nauseous, yeah. but it's just one of those times where, you know, you've got to treat the food like it's medicine. And then yeah. I went and I laid down for that two hour nap, 10 minutes till the alarm went off. I jumped up just jumping up and down going, let's go climb mountains. Like that was the challenge. <laughs> I love it. Like that flip from feeling so depleted to so energized just blows my mind even today that a two-hour nap of Pedialyte and pizza could, <laughs> could make that much of a difference. <laughs> That's one of the cool things about that. You have time. So when I went into Heavenly, I, I did, I got, a, I, that's when I got one of my naps. And I remember when I got in there, Walter Hanloser, who I just saw at Prairie Spirit again, he was, he was wrecked. He was wrecked and he was sleeping there. He looked bad. I was like, man, I don't know if he's going to continue on. Well, I left before him and he ended up somewhere along the way, passed me up and he finished way ahead of me. Like he rallied and, you know, continued on. And it's amazing how you can just, if you take the time, you have the time, take it, recover, rest, and then get out in the mountains again. <laughs> yeah, you can turn things around. You can turn things yeah. around. You know, you can create a multitude of sins in a 50K and finish, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. But some races, you you know, you, you can't get away with quite as much. But I think once you get to the longer distances, like the 200, it kind of goes back to that. 50k mentality if you can get away with a multitude of sins <laughs> yeah. because you've got how, time how much, uh, because you have the time to yeah exa exactly how much how, how much water like what kind of capacity were you carrying for your hydration i had one two liter bladder with me and okay, two soft flasks that i think were 500 milliliters each and okay. There, it was a hot, it was hot. There were some hot sex stretches yeah. where that just didn't feel like enough for 20 miles. And yeah. that, especially that long section that we, we did with out of place to filter. There was one girl in front of me. There were two places where 20 mile stretches, two places, that one. And I can't remember the other where it was just hot, not a lot of places to filter. And I really needed water and a trail angel. One of the girls that was on the trail saw that I was in need and she was carrying like more of a full size, um, like a bigger backpack for hiking, like a hiking pack. Yeah. And yeah. it, I think she said she had like a three liter bladder and one of the nice. 32 ounce now jeans. <laughs> and so she, she was, she had so much extra water. And she pretty much saved that section for me by offer, offering to share. Yeah. Well, I pretty much carried a two liter bladder and I, I ended up having to, I filtered a lot. You know, there's some spots where I was like, when I heard the water, you know, I was like, I was running out and I joke around because there was this part where I'm holding the bag and the filter like into my mouth and it's cold and it's good. And I look over <laughs> and there's this dad and their son fishing and they're looking at me like I'm a crazy person. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm about to die. You know, it's like, <laughs> it was great. Oh um, man, that's hilarious. I did have one section where I had run out of water and had the opportunity to take water, but 
I chose not to because it would have been taking aid outside of an aid station. And I'm such a rule follower. And at that time, there had been two articles in one of the national trail running publications that had talked about runners being disqualified for yeah. taking aid outside of aid stations. And so I had this in my mind, like this was like the last day of running. We were, had left Loon Lake. I'm trying to think if it was before Loon Lake or after, but it was the, we'd gone through the Rubicon section yeah. and you know, that's hot. Humid. I went through <laughs> it and I went through it in the heat of the day and you yeah. could smell the fumes from the Jeeps, <sighs> the fuel. It was so nauseating and yeah. to be without water and to be, you know, dehydrated in that section was really tough. And oh, we yeah. came up on this little makeshift aid station that these Jeep people had set up for themselves. And, you know, they could see that we were in need and they offered bottled water. And my friend's like, I'm taking it. She didn't try to convince me to. And I was like, no, I'm not taking a chance on getting kicked out and disqualified on the last day. In hindsight, though, if, you know, as a race director, I would be like, well, yeah. absolutely take that water. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd rather yeah. you do that and get through to the finish than to suffer. But as then, my mentality was, no, I'm not taking any chances. <laughs> I can't that believe I passed that water. So I did the same thing. I don't even remember the section. There's a section because it was backwards where we went up. We had to run on a paved road, a long uphill section. And I was out of water and this car came by and I was running with a guy. I'm not going to say everybody will know who he is, but and his one of his friends or whatever gave him like and it was dripping with it condensation. It was cold, like out of an ice chest and asked me if I wanted one. And I did the same thing. I said no, and I was just looking at it like, "Well, that looks." Luckily, once we got up to the top of there, was when I, there was water, like not far, and that's where those where I gave the dad and his son fishing a show. It was right right after that, maybe a mile after, you know. So it's like, <laughs> but it was so hard to say. Like I was, oh man, it looked so good. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'm sure that people that don't do what we do, sitting out around the lake watching the runners go by, probably do think we're just absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah. Well, you you did fantastic. What you you did eighty? What was it? Eighty four hours or something like that? Yeah, eighty four hours. I think. Yeah. Uh, was it eleventh? Eleventh female and fifty fifth overall out of two hundred fifty runners. So hey, man, finish I'm proud of coming from sea level for sure. <laughs> hey, yeah, you should be proud, and that's what I, you know for us flatlanders and at sea level to get out there and and represent. Man, that's good. Yeah. That that that's fantastic. That was a I great really finish. attribute it to the training. Again, I yeah. think training was harder than the race itself, but you know, yeah. getting out and yeah. doing those mountain repeats once a week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so much climbing, and you got to get your legs ready yeah. for it. And just, it's hard to. Did you get? Did you hallucinate any? Did you get sleep deprived on the trail much? No, I, I'm, I feel like I missed out. Like I want to sleep. I yeah, you missed some, it. That was fun. I <laughs> I'm seeing purple people. No. I think Chris did enough for everybody. I think he did. I think he absolutely did. He, uh, yeah, he had to even be reminded he was out there. And our friend Ronnie was pacing him and 
he had to convince he, he Chris was completely convinced that he had already finished and they were torturing him by making him stay out there and I can't imagine what it was like for uh, being his pacer trying to get him to to comply <laughs> so I, when I had Chris on the podcast and some of the funniest things I told him I said dude some of the funniest things I've seen was when Ronnie posted the videos of you on the trail you look like a little boy lost in a grocery store or something just kind of <laughs> just wandering around and like and Ronnie's like the dad like boy let's go you know, come on <laughs> oh man and when he finished he was covered head to toe in dirt because he he's slipping it he kept laying down in it <laughs> <laughs> and he yeah no, he didn't make use of those showers out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't. Oh, man. Those that was... two are a crazy lot. I keep thinking they should have their own little com- comedic podcast. <laughs> They probably, I need to get, cause I had Chris on here. I need to get Chris and Ronnie on here because yeah, I think I got Chris on after they were doing the aid station at love it. And they kept playing that stupid chili dog song on repeat that sucking on a chili dog song. And it was stuck in my head for a moment. And I think at the end of the podcast, I played the song, so it's like, <laughs> but yeah, those guys need to get both of them on. I'll probably have to put a kind of disclaimer before it starts. <laughs> Oh, definitely. You definitely want the disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so you did Tahoe. And so I just, I just I, and I say this, like, you're a beast. I mean, like, you're out there, you train, I can tell you, you work hard, you've done all these races. And then, so you got derailed with a knee issue. And I want to tell you, because I need to talk, we need to talk about this now, because my, I've had multiple surgeries on my knee from ACL reconstruction, but I'm having trouble right now. It just crept up and I think it's meniscus and I'm like, Oh, so, so, but yours was like, really, it was a, so what, tell me what happened and, and, you know, tell everybody kind of what, you know, what you had to go through to get it fixed. Uh Well, I was training for Bigfoot 200 and I'd gone out to do a self-supported hundred on the Wabash trace 30 miles in, I fell on a wooden bridge and it was, you know, it was a weird fall. I knew it was yeah. not my typical fall and it didn't feel right, but I kept running on it and mm. that didn't make a difference. My my doctor told me that, you know, the damage was already done at that point. But yeah. I tore in that fall the meniscus root and that is where the meniscus attaches to the bone. For the rest of that several months after, I was still out there trying to get my training in and yeah. you know just so stubborn it's ridiculous and i was with one of my best friends we were out doing a training run and every time i stopped i would have to physically grab my leg and pull it forward and i'd have to do that two or three times to get my knee to engage to move forward oh, before i could actually start running again and my friend and i mean I thank her so much for doing this. Like sometimes we need a, you know, that come to Jesus moment from a friend. And she said, if you don't get this seen about, I'm not running with you again until you have it seen about. So I called the doctor the next day, made my appointment and he's like, good news. Your meniscus is beautiful. The bad news is you've torn the root. So if you tear the root where it attaches to the bone, if it's a complete tear all the way across, it's an automatic knee replacement. But if mine was torn halfway across, so they were still able to repair it, but they 
drill a hole in the tibia and they just basically resuture it back to the bone. And I was three months non-weight bearing. So I lost a lot of muscle mass. So not only did I have this injury I'm trying to come back from, but I had lost so much muscle mass that if you looked at the back of my legs, my right calf was half the size of the left. And at the top of my knee on the inside was like a crater, like a hole where like that much muscle had deteriorated. It was incredible. And so I spent a full year just working on strength, everything that my physical therapist allowed me to do. I did it daily, daily and religiously so that I could get back out. But I think it's just one of those injuries that I'm just going to constantly have to deal with it. You know, I'm, I can't run the speed I would like to anymore. Speed hurts it. Distance doesn't bother it, but speed Hmm. is one of those. Just unfortunately, if I get out and I try to do speed work, I'm not going to be able to walk much the next day. Wow. So it's just having to change my perspective on running in general. And yeah, but truly it's, you know, it's, it's, I run for fun, you know? So, yeah, Yeah. it's amazing how, you know, how fast, because when the second time I had to, had some meniscus issues that they repaired. And so I was non-weight bearing for six weeks and I looked at my quad and I was like, where, what happened? You know, I looked like, like, uh, it's like two different people when I looked at my different, my legs. And for somebody, you know, you're somebody who you put a lot of work in and had done all that stuff. And I'm the same way. And I'm like, it's just going away. So how did you deal with that? I mean, mentally, because I mean, this is a part of, you know, you're doing all these races and you're part of the community and all. How did you deal with that mentally? What did you do? You know, uh- Honestly, it's still a little bit of a mental struggle. I think I'm just now finally really coming to terms just in the last few months, actually, with my new reality, because I kept feeling like, well, if I just do A or B or C, then I can get back to that runner I used to be. And, And I've just had to truly come to terms with my new reality. I think the pandemic helped a little bit in that it got me out of my element and got me out seeing trails in a different way. Cause I've found a love for backpacking and, yeah, yeah. and then not only that, but just going out West rather than running some of these monster trails, I would go run, hike them, you know? Yeah. And yeah. if I just take that mentality and go into a race with that same mentality of, I'm just going to do what it takes to get through this event help where I'm healthfully healthful on the other side of the event. And that's, that's hard to do when you've just been chasing podiums for, you know, for over a decade It's a hard flip, you know, switch to flip for sure. Yeah. I wish I had some better words of wisdom, but I think for me personally, <laughs> it was just truly coming to terms with my new reality. When I learned yeah. that it didn't matter how much, extra strength training or therapy that I did was, was that was just not going to change the outcome. So, yeah. 
Well, and how did you, like, while you were, like, after the surgery, you know, when you're just non-weight bearing, you're not able to, you know, you're on crutches, you're not able to, how did you deal with that portion of it? Because there's, I mean, there's a time, I mean, probably a short time, I know they put you into therapy pretty quick now. Did you just really throw yourself into that, you know? And Man, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, to the point my therapists were... Oh, I can't believe, you know, most of my clients only, you know, do these exercises, you know, a couple times a week. And I was doing it for an hour every day. But, you know, I just did my homework and Megan Roach, she had some kind of knee surgery and I just followed some of her podcasts and blogs. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she did to get in some cardio, I think that was the hardest part was wanting so badly to get some kind of cardio and not knowing how like feeling depleted like just man and when i found her blog talking about hand cycling so you know the machines that you get people will buy to put under their desks to cycle while they're working yeah set it on my table on top of a yoga mat and i would just put blare my music and i would just (laughs) just as hard and fast as i could go and, you know, tried to do that for at least an hour a day. And that's a man. Dude, that's that, mentally that, tough, man. Yeah, I'm telling you, <laughs> trying to get an hour in a day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Boy, my arms, it took a lot to work my way up to an hour to get my arms, you know, where they yeah. were comfortable with that. But, yeah, you go from feeling like you need a massage on your legs after a workout to, ooh, I yeah. need a massage on my arms. But that, it, it, that helps so much. And yeah. anytime I have a friend that has wound up injured, I, we've kind of passed that machine around. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it's funny because the gym I went to, I'd crutch into the gym when I was, you know, and they had one of those and then there was a rope. It was an endless rope that was just a loop that you could just pull like crazy. So I would just sit there and you can do tension. And so I just pull the rope for, you know, for a good while to try to get my heart rate up and <laughs> try to do something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That but that helps. That gives you a like I'm working toward getting better and I'm doing what I can until I can do what I want. And that's kind of what I, you know, I encourage people to do. So you can do what you want, do what you can. Do something that's going to forward you toward your goal of getting better. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> this might be the awards for OC50 at the door. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, so, yeah, so, you, but you've, when was that? When did you have that surgery? I'm trying to remember when you were going through that. It was December of 2020. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. right in the yeah. pandemic and it, stuff. It took, and... it, it took quite a while to get back to a starting line, but I've done two races since then. I just really kind of threw myself into my volunteering and, Mm. you know, giving back to the community, going and volunteering. I wasn't directing, trying to help somebody else with their endeavors. But the nice thing about it was seeing that people don't care. They don't care what your performance is. They just want you around, you know, you're part of the community and they're glad that you're there. And that is, man. That's so comforting to know that, okay, you're still accepted, even though you're not in your mind, you know, in my mind, I'm not the runner that I once was, but people, you know, my friends are still there. And yeah, 
it, that, that's it's kind of the lies we believe, you know, that we think we yeah. still need to, you know, and yeah. yeah but, just, you know, get out there and do what you can do, you know? Yeah. And, and if you can't do it the way that you used to do it, find a way to do it differently, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, and you've been doing some cool hikes. I think if I remember right, when I was at Bigfoot, you were there volunteering and you had like hiked the, you think you hiked the course just about, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, that, I have let that race get in my soul. Let me tell you, it is my bucket list. Like if I can't do anything else, I have to yeah. go do that. So I was there. I had signed up for Bigfoot, trained yep. for it, and it got canceled due to COVID. Right. I was one of the ones that just kept my name in the hat till the end. The race yeah. director kept saying, I think we're going to have it. I think we're going to have it. Yeah. It got pulled. And I thought, you know what? I still have my reservations out there. And the best way to social distance really was camping. And yeah. so my husband and I went on out and I just, I had the GPX for the course. And so I, every day I would go do a different section of the course. The very next year I'd had my surgery and I couldn't run it and use my, my deferral. So I thought, well, you know, at least I can still be a part of it. So I went yeah. out and I worked for a week at headquarters and that was man eye opening to see what it takes to put that event on. So and the remote. volunteer coordinator, Crystal, at the time, man, she just put talk about putting in an ultra, yeah. <laughs> you know, all the work she was doing that week to get prepared. But, you know, I, I went out, I was able to hike. I couldn't run, but I could hike after yeah. knee surgery at that point. And so there, after the race was over, I went and did a bunch of hikes on the back side of the course. Nice. So I went out one year and got to see the front side. Went out another year and got to see the back side. And so now it's like, yeah, I'm going to have to go do that one and I, check I that have, off the list. I have unfinished business there too. So uh, yeah, because I was on Hopefully if I get in, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I can knock out Moab this year, oh, we'll see about Yeah, I'm thinking maybe next year if I can convince there the wife go. to go back. <laughs> so, yeah. And if we but can get I, in, I've done, yeah, I have done, I've gotten into hiking. I've, I have done a lot of really cool hikes. It's a different way to see the world, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, that, that's something I want to start doing more of too, because I realize when we run a lot of those areas, you miss a lot. It's fun. It's a challenge, but you miss a lot of the beauty if you don't make yourself stop and see it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's a pace where you can stop and smell the roses, right? <laughs> yeah, you're not in a hurry and you can just yeah. do it. So That's a cool well, thing about the 200s, though, because I do feel like you get a, you get to do that a little yeah. bit. There's an aspect of that, getting to stop to smell the roses. Yeah, yeah. you can't. I mean, I can't run the whole time. You're going to hike a lot of it. So you, you can take it in. And there are times when you just stop and look at it and take pictures and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so you did that, you've been racing a little bit, you've been directing. So what do you, what's in the future for Stacy? What do you think, what do you think in the next few years? So you just mentioned Bigfoot maybe for 2024. What else is on the horizon? I know right now you're directing, you got OT 50 coming up. Traveler is going to be here before you know it. <laughs> and then that's barely over. And then I have ABF, I have a Bigfoot trail marathon. So oh, I have, man. and that's 
this will be my seventh year to host that race. And I'm my grandma now. So Oh I nice. Have, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm a grandpa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, That's it's cool. so cool. It's so yeah, it Because we get to, you know, spoil the grandbabies and play with them hard and fast all day long and then hand them over to their, their parents and I don't know about yeah. you, but by the end of the day with my granddaughters, I feel like I have just run a marathon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just plop oh. down on the couch. I'm worthless the rest of the day. <laughs> well, my, my little one, she's in she's in South Louisiana, so my, my visits aren't as frequent. So it's tough. It's tough, but yeah. But no, that's it's cool. I told my daughter first time I saw her, I thought I've experienced all the kind of loves there are, you know, for your kids and your spouse and everything else. And then you see that grandbaby and I was like, oh, that's a new love. What is this? What is this? <laughs> oh, man, there's just nothing else like it. Nothing I, else I, like it. And I just love hearing my granddaughter call me Mimi. Every time yeah. I hear her, I mean, just like, I melt, whatever you want, you can have it. <laughs> yeah, just name it, just name it. <laughs> oh, so, man. But for me, the future is really just trying to put one foot in front of the other, continue to rehab and rebuild yeah. and, you know, and you were talking about, you know, you know, trying to prepare emotionally, you know, how to get through that emotionally. And I think part of that process was, you know, the realities of, well, okay, if I just do the shorter distance stuff, that's all I can do. I've still got my community and yeah. race directing and being a part of the, of our club in a big way, you know, as a leader, as the president of our club and yeah. just keep giving back, you know, I find so much joy and reward in doing that. So, you know, if Bigfoot, it's on the list and I hope I can get there, but if I can't, you know, I've got these things to do at home. I've got my grandkids to keep me busy and, and my husband and I usually go three months out West every year in the summer. Nice. So I'm so lucky that we can do that. We take the camper and we go out there and he works remote and so cool. Getting to see new trails and you know, we try not to go to the same place more than once so that we can see more of the nation. There's so much beauty out there. There There's is, man. So Every time I talk beautiful. to somebody, they're like, they talk about a place they've been like, you know, like Montana, Idaho. And I was like, oh, I haven't been there. I want to go there. I want to go there. I, you know, it's, my list is long. <laughs> <laughs> I like to go to the Ultra Running calendar, Ultra Running Magazine's calendar, and I'll go through and I'll try to find if there's a race that I, that is going on while I'm out there. I'll try yeah. to get in the race if I can, or a race or two. So, you know, try to, you know, help out those other racing companies and get to see some yeah. different courses. So it's so nice cool. to have that balance between home and away. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Well, and once again, I just, the racing community, the things that, the thing that you guys have in Arkansas is great. And I, like I said, I've always loved every time I've raced out there, it's been a great experience. And so thank you for being a part of that and being in a leadership part of that and helping keep that going. It's so important. And, you know, even as a, somebody who lives in Oklahoma now to get to go and just, and feel right at home. I feel right at home when I go over there, you know, I feel like, I feel like I know 
know everybody and you know and I have friends over there and so I and I think everybody else is the same way and you know I would hope that when you guys come here it's it'll, it's the same you know when you oh, guys yeah, race definitely. in our area so yeah oh, and so so keep that going. I'm coming for some more races. As soon as I get this knee fixed, I'll be out there. <laughs> so, oh, man. You know, I hope so. Whatever. I'll email you all my tips and tricks and things that have worked. And I hope you're able to get over the injury and get back out there. It's hard to take the time to, to be yeah. off, but it usually yeah, pays we'll off in the end, right? Yeah. We'll see, you, you know, and I got these races on the calendar coming up and I'm like, okay, I'll just see what the doctor says. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Don't but, borrow but, trouble. That's my grandmother saying, don't borrow trouble. Just fret over it until your doctor tells you there's something to fret about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's kind of where I put it. You know, I'll just, I'll deal with it when, you know, when it comes. So, but, but thank you for just all you do. Thank you for being on the podcast and I look forward to seeing you. I need to, seriously, I need to come, I need to run the OT 50. I need to come and I need to come and run your races, you know, and because that all I hear so many good things about them, and I get friends that say come race, come and I'll hook you up. Okay, okay. <laughs> now the trail marathon, it those spots, it's a free race, but the spots are gone within less than an hour. I so, heard. <laughs> but if you ever want to come, I'll make sure you get on the list. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Uh, 